Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to come out of the book of Mark, chapter number 3. Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. Amen, hallelujah. I'm going to read my text, and I'm just going to go in. Amen, hallelujah. And uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this vice, and hopefully I'll get back to my text. I, I was praying. God gave me so much information. I said, all right, God, you got to let me get back to the text after I give it to him. Amen. So the goal is to get back to this text. Um, I might jump through some of the notes that I have. Um, I'm going to try really hard to stick to the notes and not go on a rabbit trail. But I'm going to begin right here in Mark chapter 3 and verse 1. When you have it, shout amen. amen. We read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. And he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him. Can I just say, people are watching you. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Jesus asked them a question and they didn't say anything. And when he had looked round about on them, listen to this now, with anger. With that, Jesus was angry. Being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Jesus was angry with them, and they got angry at him. And so I want to talk to you for a little while concerning the vice of anger. The vice of anger. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. You sit there and act cute tonight if you want to. But this vice right here, if we're not careful, will attack even the seasoned saints. This vice right here will attack a Moses and cause him to make a mistake that ultimately cost him his destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we're going to talk about it tonight. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We worship you and glorify your name. We thank you, Lord God, for a good crowd on tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that are receptive good ground so that the seed would penetrate and yield an increase of 30, 60, and 100 fold. We thank you, Lord God. Use me now, Lord God. Use these lips of clay, Lord God, to speak to your people as I hide behind the cross, Lord God. Have your way in this place. Let it be your words, Lord God. Hallelujah. That minister changed someone's life on tonight. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. You guys doing all right? Anger. Is it a holy emotion or a hellish habit? Is it a holy emotion or a hellish habit? To be angry or not to be angry? That is the question. Is it ugly and violent, or is it inspiring and vigorating? Is it good, or is it bad? You know, there's something inspiring when you hear, when you hear a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., watch this, denounce racial injustice from the pulpit. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's something inspiring about it. If he does not, if he does not have an anger.
for racial injustice, his voice doesn't have the same force. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? I want you to stay with me. Hallelujah. I heard one man put it like this. He said, uh, I am unable to commit to a Messiah who's unable to turn tables. I'm unable to commit to a Messiah who is unable to turn some tables. But how many of you know that anger can destroy as well? Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, what do you say to the mother who lost a son to a drunk driver and then loses her faculties, loses her capability to maintain self-control in the courtroom when she hears the judge let this individual know that he's going to get out in a couple of years and she just launches from her chair and makes a move toward this individual because in her opinion... It should be a life for a life. And so she denounces the justice system in the courtroom because she is angry. Are you in this place, church? When you hear things like this, you begin to understand that anger in itself is a complicated case. I said it is a complicated case. The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. I said God is angry with the wicked every day. And so, watch this, you have to ask yourself the question, is anger a sin? And if anger is a sin, is God a sinner? But how many of you know that famous scripture in the, in the Bible that says, in your anger, do not sin. Or let me give it to you another way. Be ye angry, the King James says, and sin not. Hallelujah. There are scriptures in the Bible that tend to, to, to lead us to believe that it's what we do with anger that determines whether it is right or it is wrong. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. The Bible also warns us to be fearful, watch this, of the day of the Lord. Or to be fearful, watch this, of the day of his wrath. Uh, whether you know it or not, hallelujah, there is a day coming. See, we're living in a, I can't get too deep, but we're living in a dispensation called the dispensation of grace. But uh, just in case you did not know, that dispensation of grace has an expiration date on it. It has an expiration date on it. You know, and just like the days of Noah, we are living in a time where God is still saying the door to the ark is open. And that ark is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the command is get in the boat. Get in the boat. While the door is still open, the job of the church is to tell the people, hallelujah, that it's time to come to him and to get in the boat. But the Bible also lets us know that there came a day where that door was closed. And it was God himself who shut the door of the ark, hallelujah. So you have to understand that there is a day. There is a day where the dispensation of grace will come to an end and we will enter into another dispensation. And that dispensation, watch this, is the dispensation of judgment. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? This is why the Bible urges us, seek the Lord while he may yet be found. Now is the day of salvation. This is the day that the Lord has made and we ought to rejoice and to be glad in it. Amen, somebody. Watch this. And so while the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked, and while the Bible says that there is a day of wrath that's coming, and that we ought to be aware of this particular day, amen, at the same time, there's plenty the Bible says about human anger. And most of what the Bible says about human anger, just in case you didn't know, is usually negative. Most of what the Bible says about human anger is usually negative. Hallelujah, Jesus. Show me Colossians 3 and 8 real quickly. Colossians 3 and 8. But now ye also put off all these. And then it says, watch this. Look at the first one. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication 
out of your mouth. There are some, there are two frames of thought that I want to give you tonight. One frame of thought simply says, watch this, that when this text right here says put off all, it means all. That all means all. And so there's a frame of thought that says that you shouldn't have any anger. Now watch this. Stay with me because we're going to teach on tonight. Uh, that we should not have any anger. And that when Colossians was talking about uh, uh, this particular text right here, it was referring to all anger. But there is another frame of thought that basically says that, that some anger is not inherently bad, but disordered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it is disordered when it, it, when it attacks the wrong target. It becomes disordered when it's often uh, attacking the wrong target and it gets out of control. Because how many of you know that anger can get out of control? This frame of thought uh, that says it's not all inherently bad says that it is the response to injustice. That anger is a response to injustice. And it requires, watch this now, the recognition that someone has been wronged and has to be followed by a subsequent desire to make things right. Amen? You, you, you see some of the things that's going on in the world and it should do something to you. Some of the, you know, you hear about a young man who goes into a school and starts shooting kids. That should do something to you. Amen? Uh, it should. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. You know, when you think about the model, the reason I chose the text that I chose tonight is because when I thought about the right model to illustrate anger to you too is the Lord Jesus Christ. When I thought about who would be the perfect model to use as an example that gets angry and it is the right kind of anger, apart from Jesus, there is nobody. So I decided to use this text to illustrate the Lord Jesus. But watch this. There are others who believe that anger is rarely, if ever, justified. And these individuals will use scriptures like James 1.20. Show me James 1.20 real quick. Hallelujah, Jesus. James 1.20. For the wrath of man worketh not. Listen to that text right there. For the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness of God. If you have the NIV, the NIV says... The, the human anger, human anger uh, worketh not the righteousness of God. It doesn't say the wrath of God. It says the wrath of man. Hallelujah. There is an anger that comes from man that this text says, watch this, does not work the righteousness or does not produce the righteousness of God. Now my question then becomes, okay, I understand, hallelujah, that human anger does not produce the righteousness of God, but what if I align my anger with his anger? What if I align my anger with God's anger? That frame of thinking, hallelujah, that says all anger is negative, says that it's negative because the command of God is to love your neighbor. And loving your neighbor, hallelujah, means loving your neighbor. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? And what it does is that it precludes or excludes anger targeted at another person. What it's basically saying is that you're not supposed to get angry at anybody. Hmm. This frame of thinking says everything you do to avenge yourself against a brother who has wronged you will become a stumbling block to you. Especially in areas like your prayer life. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Because watch this, anger blinds the eyes of the heart. I said anger blinds the eyes of the heart, amen? Anger will disrupt your vision. It will affect your perspectives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It will also affect your reasoning. It will cause you to twist any real concern for sin and injustice into a service of self to protect your own ego. I'm losing them, Lord, already. Are you in this place? Where you begin to feed, watch this, your own rationale and your own reputation of righteousness in your own eyes. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. If you bless our glory. So watch this. I gave you two, two thoughts real quickly. Some who say we shouldn't have any anger, 
And some that say anger in the right place is okay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. Both sides seem to agree that anger needs to be directed at sin. I don't think there is a confusion about that. If we're going to be angry at anything, we need to be angry at what God is angry at. Amen? In order to be correctly placed at sin, not the sinner. They seem to be in agreement as far as it pertains to that truth right there. But they seem to be in disagreement, watch this, on whether anger should be something that we should either strive to moderate or something that we should eliminate altogether. That is the question as it pertains to anger. Should we moderate it or should we do everything we can to eliminate it altogether? But how many of you know that in a world full of injustice, it is hard to imagine a response that would not include some kind of anger? I said it is hard. Can we be real in here? It is hard to imagine any kind of response that would not include some kind of anger. But at the same time, we know that anger could be so selfish. I said it could be so selfish that maybe practicing to purge it away might be a better discipline for us. Are you blessed in here so far? So watch this. I gave you two frame of thoughts. And the only outcome is simply this. Anger could be either a healthy emotion or a hellish habit. That's my opening statement. A healthy emotion or a hellish habit. Let's just say that anger can be a healthy emotion. If it can be a healthy emotion, how do we keep it from becoming a vice of wrath? How do we keep anger from becoming a vice of wrath? Why is it, watch this, why is it that righteous anger desires to punish injustice? Because it comes from a righteous God. Who is just. I said who is just. Oh God have mercy in this place. Who is just. And watch this. Punishes injustice or sin. Not because he enjoys punishment. Come on somebody. But because punishment is required. In order to be able to redress a wrong. Because it is required in order to redress a wrong. When you think about what happened on the cross, that's probably the best example that I could use to explain what I just said. Amen, somebody. Because watch this. God is not just going to sit back uh, at sin and not do anything about it because he's just. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And because he's just, he has to do something about it. The Bible puts it like this. The wages of sin is is death. Amen. And there is a price to pay for sin. In other words, there has to be a punishment that is, it is exacted if there's going to be a redressing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The great thing about God is that, watch this, when we were supposed to be the recipients of that punishment, right, because it was we who sinned, amen, he in his love toward us sent his son, and you see Jesus on the cross, watch this, experiencing the wrath of God on the cross on your behalf so that you don't have to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he's doing something about it and that something about it required that somebody substitute or be a substitute for you. But somebody had to pay. Salvation ain't free. You know, we say it all the time, salvation is free, salvation, salvation ain't really free. It's free for you, but somebody had to pay. There needed to be a punishment exacted so that you can be redressed. You're redressed with clothes of righteousness right now because somebody paid for you. And you ought to be glad about it because it was supposed to be us, but God. Hallelujah. Even in the cross, you see a desire for things to be made right between God and persons. Because that's the kind of God that you serve. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? How many of you in here would agree that anger is a passion 
watch this, that can be expressed physically. And because it can be expressed physically, therefore, it is hard to hide. Yeah, yeah. If you came in here angry today, <laughs> it's hard to hide. How many of you can testify? Hallelujah. One of the first things they get... One of the first things that starts happening to you when you get angry is those ears start turning red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ears start turning red. Before you know it, those cheeks start turning red. Come on, somebody. That blood starts to rise. That blood pressure starts to rise. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Yeah, it does. Your heart begins to beat a little faster when you start getting angry. It is hard to hide. When you are angry. Amen. We have in us, uh, and this usually is the result of anger. We have in us this fight or flight response when it comes to difficulty. Come on, somebody. When it comes to any evil and when it comes to danger. We have this fight or flight. Uh, depending on what the situation is or that circumstance is, we either are going to fight or we're going to take flight. Some evil, some dangers, you might have to move away from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then there are some things that you might have to confront. But we have in us this response, this fight or flight response. Amen? How many of you believe that anger can be an ally to inner or outer difficulties that would try to hold us back? Let me give you an example in here. If you're a very shy individual, you're very passive, very um, timid individual, uh, you might need a little push of anger to get you to speak up if you're being taken advantage of, if you're being abused, amen, and, and your abuser is using your timidity, hallelujah, uh, to continue to abuse you, you might need to get a little angry, to finally open up your mouth and say something about what's happening or what's transpiring in your life. In that sense of the word, it can be an ally. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. A complacent congregation. A complacent congregation may have to get a little angry about some injustice that has taken place in the world to move them from their indifference and mobilize them into action. I said it's not until you see some things, hallelujah, that do something to you, that move you from indifference so that you can mobilize and take some action. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. I heard one man put it like this. He said, a lack of anger is the result of weak movement. The lack of anger is the result of weak movement. Because if you have none, and this is the frame of thinking that goes the other, against the other frame of thinking that says you shouldn't have any. This frame of thinking says, watch this, it is a failure to engage from the will to see the good of justice involving our bodies. In other words, hallelujah, uh, if we have absolutely nothing that gets us angry about the injustice that we see, then there will be nothing from our own will that will push us to use our bodies to step out and do something about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. So watch this. If anger allows us to know that we might have to be in a fight, Amen. then what kind of fight should that be? If I know I have to be in a fight, then how do I steer clear from letting my anger becoming a vice? From becoming a vice. I'll tell you how. You have to make sure that the fight is a good fight. I said you have to make sure that the fight is a good fight. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe it was, who, who said those famous words, I have fought the good fight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Of faith, amen? In other words, if you're going to fight a good fight, there has to be a good cause. I said there has to be a good cause. Isn't that the question that David asked in 1 Samuel chapter 17? 
when he heard that, when he heard that giant defying the armies of the living God, he got upset. And he said, watch this, to his brothers who tried to send them home. Is there not a cause? Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, is there not a cause? Here's what you need to catch. Anger needs to serve the cause. I said, your anger needs to serve the cause. And it cannot be the other way around. I said, it cannot be the other way around. Amen, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know how we do sometimes. You're not going to say nothing in here. But you know how we do. I, you know, no, I, I just, I got to vent. I got I to vent. I got to vent. I just got to go find somebody. I need to come, you know, I just need to come talk to you because I need to vent. You sit here and act cute all you want. Hallelujah. But we do it. Yeah, we try to justify venting. But watch this, expressing anger to let off some steam most of the time is not morally correct. Oh God, I'm going to start losing them now. Watch this, many refer to it, watch this, as the sin against temperance. It is a sign that you lack self-control. You didn't lash out at the person you really wanted to lash out at, but you went to about three or four other people. To let them know how you feel about what they did to you. To get them to side with you. That is morally incorrect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I just had a vent. I'm going to tell you something, but I need you to pray. Then we try to spiritualize it. I'm going to tell you this, but I just need you to pray. And all you're doing is talking about your brother or your sister in Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if we're not careful like a two-year-old, the more unruly and the harder it is to control, the more we indulge in it. The more. See, the goal of restraining anger is to keep reason's judgment clear. That is the goal of restraining anger, to keep reason's judgment clear. You, you want to be able to think clearly regardless of how you feel. But a lot of us let anger take over and affect our ability to reason, to think clear, to see things from a right perspective. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? You can't hear God correctly when you're angry. I said, you can't hear God correctly when you're angry. God told a man named Moses, speak to the rock. And because Moses was angry, he didn't hear God correctly. Because he was angry, he just figured God would do it the same way he did it the last time. But he was wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So watch this. You have to measure whether your passionate expression of anger is furthering the goal of justice. Or tearing apart everything in its path, including the reason upon which you were fighting in the first place and the person who was angry, which is you. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah. I heard an individual admit it. By saying these words, and I thought it was powerful, hallelujah. He said, my anger has more often distressed those I love than it has afflicted those of whom I was angry. In other words, he's saying, my anger has done more bad than it has good. And it has affected the people close to me more than the people that the anger was aimed at in the first place. Are you hearing me, church? Hallelujah. Jesus. He said, my anger has not carried me far enough toward changing what legitimately enrages me. So watch this. While admitting that anger can be a natural and healthy God-given emotion, we have to come to grips with the fact that more often than not, my anger burns out of control. I got one amen. More often than not, my anger burns. 
out of control. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So when is anger good? When it's a passion for justice. When it's motivated, watch this, by love for others. I said when it's motivated by love for others. And when it is a passion for justice. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah. I got to get to this text. How many of you in here can admit that you get angry when somebody that you care about gets hurt or mistreated? And, and, and watch this. The more fiercer the love, the greater the anger. Come on, talk back to me. You can mess with everything you want, but mess with my kids. Come on, we got some parents in the house. The fiercer the love, the greater the capacity for anger. Why? Because of the strength of love. Because of the strength of love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, help me in this place. So watch this. I'll make a statement in here that's going to put some tension in the room. Great love is the root of great anger. Selah. Great love is the, is the root of great anger. You don't get angry unless you care. I said you don't get angry unless you care. You become a passionate protector and defender of good in the correct sense. In the correct sense. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Watch this. It only turns vicious when you fight for a selfish cause. I said it only turns vicious when you start fighting for a selfish cause. When all of a sudden, it is all about you. And now, rather than fighting for justice, you start to fight dirty. I said you start to fight dirty. And it becomes a problem when you start having a problem finding the target. All of a sudden, you start shooting, and you don't even know what you're shooting at. And the wrong people are getting hit by your anger because you lost your target. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Oh, God, hallelujah. And then instead of passion for justice, all of a sudden you develop a passion for self-aggrandizement where you start saying stuff like, I want, I want, I want, I want. And all of a sudden it's one big me first agenda. And that's all you have on your mind, me first. Me. And you start to protect your interests, what you want to the exclusion of the claims of everybody else. Me. People who lack temperance, people who lack self-control, watch this, any slight, any slight to their honor, any damage to their reputation, any disrespect to their person are frequent, listen, frequent anger triggers. You say something, you just say any little, any slight to my honor, any disrespect to my person, anything about my reputation, and they lose it. But can I help you in here? Anybody who aspires to be great, anybody who, 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 who envisions themselves doing great things for God, leading at a great capacity for God, you can't flip out. God, help me in here. You can't flip out at the drop of a dime every time somebody says something about you. Let me help you in here. If you're going to do great things for God, you have to understand that at the same level of greatness that you operate for God, you have to be prepared to face the same level of opposition. We love the idea of doing great things for God. Hallelujah. But can I help you in here? With another level of greatness comes another level of opposition. And new levels bring new devils. Come on, somebody. This is why sometimes you have to be careful what you ask for. This is why Jesus told that lady who came to him with her two sons and said, can my son sit at the left and my other son sit at your right when you enter your kingdom? She said, woman, you don't know what you're asking for. 
Because this here chairs, they come at a heavy price. And that price is a bitter cup. Are they willing to pay the price of greatness? Because the price of greatness is a bitter cup. And so you have to understand that if you're going to be great, they're going to talk about you. They're going to try to discredit your character. They're going to lie on you. Can I help you in here? I, 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 you know, I know I'm supposed to be encouraging you to, to want to be a leader and to aspire to do great things for God. And yes, yes, but I'm not going to lie to you either. They will discredit you. They will misunderstand you. Oh, God, help me in this place. And watch this. When a devil can't get you to fall morally, he will lie. He will lie on you. That's why when Joseph refused to sleep with Potiphar's wife, she still accused him of rape. And he still went to jail. And as a great leader, sometimes you have to be prepared to let the stuff they said take you down before God, God, help me in here, before God elevates you. And brings you up. And in the middle of all that mess, you can't lose your dream. And you got to continue to help other people with their dreams while your dream doesn't even remotely look like it's going to come to pass. But I still got to help the butler and I still got to help the baker with their dreams even though my dream don't even look like it's remotely Come in the past, but with every decision I make to help them, even though I don't see it, I'm coming closer and closer and closer and closer to the palace place. Are you blessed in here, church? Do I got a church in here? Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. You can't get mad at the drop of a dime. They go, you gotta expect it. My God, God told me a long time ago, hallelujah, you better develop some tough skin, son. For where I'm taking you, hallelujah. You asking me for more people, hallelujah. Listen, if, 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 if 30 people will make you lose sleep, 300 will squash you. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. Watch this. The bottom line is simply this. Angry people, watch this, according to the American Psychological Association, think that things ought to go my way. You can't block and you can't change my plans. And if you do, I'm going to get angry. These are individuals that don't nearly get mad at injustice done to others as much as they get angry at the personal Things that are said or done to themselves. So you're not like God, hallelujah, who says you ought to be loving your neighbor. And if you're going to get upset about something, get upset about the injustice that's happening to people around the world. Those are your neighbors. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Rather than focusing so much on what somebody said about you. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? Oh, boy. Overprotectiveness over their own status and honor is a sign or proof, watch this, that your anger is rooted in pride. I said an overprotectiveness of your own status is a sign, a clear sign and proof that your anger is rooted in pride. That your anger is selfish and not selfless. And that's what separates it from God's. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. One of the things that you're going to learn is simply this. Differentiating justice and self-justification is not easy. Differentiating between justice and self-justification is not easy, but it is crucial. Because you could start out with love for justice, and if you're not careful, it can be perverted to a desire for revenge and the injury of somebody else. Because here's what most people will say. Most people say, watch this, that the proclaimed motive for every manifestation of anger is self-righteousness. Hallelujah. 
when anger has the wrong target or object, what we're angry at is inappropriate. When anger has the wrong target, what we're angry at is inappropriate. Are you blessed in here, church? Chances are that most of the time when that is the case, there is no real injury. Yeah, yeah, but an imagined offense or an exaggerated offense. God help me in here. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the the recipient of our anger is the wrong person. I said, or the recipient of our anger is the wrong person. I wish I got, I wish if I, I I wonder if I got any real people in here that can admit that sometimes I, I (laughs) lashed out at a mediator. Rather than the person I really wanted to be mad at. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Have you ever been, a matter of fact, hallelujah, uh, me and my wife yesterday, we went out to dinner. It was her birthday, by the way, just in case you don't know. So we were, we were hanging out. We were hanging out. Um, I, believe it was, I believe it was breakfast. I, I believe it was before dinner. I believe it was at breakfast time. We were listening to somebody. We were listening to a, a waitress uh, become the recipient of someone's anger who was displeased or unsatisfied with the cook's food. And so she didn't cook it. He cooked it. But because she can't get angry at him, because he's nowhere in sight, she becomes the recipient of that anger. That happens to us too. Sometimes you can't get mad at the person you really want to get mad at. And so the person, and this is unfortunate, but usually it's the person closest to you who becomes the recipient of the whipping post of the anger you really have towards somebody else. And so you're really angry at that boss of yours. But you know that if you let him have it, you are no longer going to have a job. So you come home with all that frustration, and guess what? The kids, the wife become the recipients of that anger. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? We do it. We do it. You want to know what's even worse? We get mad at God. But we know that we're incompetent in in shaking our fist toward God. That ain't going to work too good. And so what do we do? We take it out on people. It happens, saints. Hallelujah. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And it's usually the people close to you. The easiest target that is in range that ends up getting it. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah, Jesus. And you know why this happens? This happens on on an account of excessive expectations about what you think you deserve and what you think is due toward you. Bible has plenty to say about anger. If I had time, I would take you through the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs has the most to say <laughs> about anger. Hallelujah. If you go to the book, it almost separates anger in three divisions. And I'm going to give them to you very quickly. It's, the first one is simply this. Huh? Uh, we can get angry too easily. Some of us get angry too easy. You don't have to say amen. You are quick-tempered. You have... A button, and if somebody pushes that button, in seconds, you shift. Amen, somebody? It's, it's, it's the button of irritability. You're just irritable. And somebody just touches that button, and you are quick. Just look at me. Watch this. We can get angrier than we should. I said we can get angrier than we should. This is what usually happens, watch this, when offense is the case. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angrier than we should. And all of a sudden, 
Now, we're not, just, we're not just being quick to be rude. We shouting. We letting the whole place know. You be at the checkout at Walmart. I've seen it. I'm, I can't be real. I've seen it. Hallelujah. I've been at the checkout at Walmart. I'm like, I can't believe this. Something starts happening inside of you. My wife has to be like, no, got to mind our business. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can get angrier than we should. And here's another division. We can stay angry too long. I said we can, oh, God. We can get angry. We can stay angry too long to the point where we enter the zone I like to call grudge holding. Now we start holding grudging. This is where bitterness can set in. Unforgiveness can set in. Come on, church. Amen. Unforgiveness could set in. Now you're not just shouting. Matter of fact, you're not even shouting. You're plotting. Oh, yeah. I said you're not shouting now. You're plotting. You got, this got so schemy now that you are undermining people, wondering what you could do to get to see them fall. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why, this is why your Bible says you have 24 hours. Y'all not, not going to hear what I'm Your Bible says you have 24 hours. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Why does, why does God say that? Why is God basically telling you you have about 24 hours He's saying, watch this, that right now anger, present anger is tolerable. You can deal with it. But anger over a long period of time becomes a system of thought where it's no longer a feeling. It is the way you think. You just become an angry individual. Oh, my God, have mercy in here. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. I'm getting there, saints. God from the very beginning, even when establishing his Ten Commandments, watch this. What are the Ten Commandments? They are moral precepts laying down the demands of basic justice. And in order for these basic, watch this, demands of justice to be fulfilled, they have to be fulfilled perfectly, watch this, through love. Through love. Uh, many of the religious folks totally misunderstood uh, God's precept. See, religious people have concepts, but they lack precepts. See, the concept is the information. The precept is what the author had in mind when he wrote it. Are you following what I'm saying? And it, it, it was about love. Amen? And this is why Jesus comes in the New Testament and sums up the Ten Commandments by telling them, love God, love your neighbor. That's it. If you can love God and love your neighbor, you have fulfilled the law. That's what he said. Oh, God, have mercy in here. When we transgress justice which is what is due to God and your fellow man, you can expect for God to be angry. Mm -hmm. Because when our self-love edges out love for our neighbor and love for God, God is going to get angry. Why? Because he's loving, number one. And number two, he's just. I say he's just. He's just, amen? And so when I fail to offer my fellow man what's due to him, and when I fail to offer God what is due to him, and what is due? Love is due. God is angry. Are you blessed in here? Oh, God, have mercy in this place. When you read your Bible and you read that story, and you, I don't even have to turn to it, you all know the story. When Jesus goes into the temple and clears that place out. Now, if you, if you read everywhere in the Bible that it talks about that story, you get all the details. And he didn't just go in there and ask them to leave, okay? He flipped tables over. If that wasn't enough, he grabbed a whip. And chase them out of there. Now, most of us would look at that and, and, and determine that that was 
<coughs> an act of violence. And that that was an act of anger. But the three gospels that talk about it. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Watch this. Don't focus. Don't focus on his action. They focus on his inner state. They don't focus on his action. They focus on his inner state. And all three of them, watch this. John's gospel puts it like this. It says he was consumed with zeal. He was con it don't say he was angry. It says he was consumed with zeal. And the other two explain it without saying that he was angry. They talked about what was going on on the inside when that happened. Are you following what I'm saying in here? But in Mark chapter 3, which is our text for today, it does not say he was consumed with zeal. It says literally that Jesus was angry. Amen, somebody? Why is Jesus angry? And what you have to understand about the text that we read today, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to put it back up on the screen because I got about five minutes, but watch this. It is a parallel to what I just told you about the Ten Commandments. I just told you concerning the Ten Commandments that in order to fulfill, watch this, the demands of justice that the Ten Commandments gives us, uh, it has to be done perfectly through love. Amen? And so when you look at this story and you realize why Jesus is angry, he's angry at the same thing that God is angry at. Watch this, because think about it. Why is Jesus angry at these particular Pharisees? Remember, the Bible says that they were testing him. They were watching him because they wanted to see what he was going to do because it was the Sabbath day. And there was a man in there that had a withered hand. So they were watching Jesus to see what he would do because they wanted to find something to accuse him of. They wanted to know if he was going to keep the rules. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. But watch this. What angered Jesus or at least grieved him with the Pharisees was their lack of love toward their fellow man. I said their lack of love toward their fellow man. They were more concerned with their status and their rule keeping more so than they were concerned about that man who had a withered hand. Are you hearing this preacher? Hallelujah. He was mad at their hardness of heart toward another human being. All they wanted to do was justify their own rule keeping. Are you hearing me in this place? They valued the maintenance of their own reputation. I said they valued the maintenance of their own reputation. More so than they valued healing and compassion. Are you blessed in here? To them, what was due was all about them. It was all about self-interest and had little to do with justice toward their neighbor. Are you following me? They are what I would call cold keepers of the law. Cold keepers of the law. Cold keepers of the letter of the law. The Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, man. In other words, he was upset because they would not be moved by love. They stood before Jesus in stony silence. Not just because they were dumbfounded by his wisdom, but because they didn't want to give him the satisfaction of an answer. Mm. Are you in this place? Because they will not be moved by love. I said they will not be moved by love. Jesus, listen, is angry at them. He's angry at them. That's because he loves the man with the withered hand. But he's also angry at them because he loves the Pharisees. And he's frustrated with the way they're acting toward their fellow man. Because with all their rule keeping, they didn't get it. He's frustrated at their hardness of heart. Oh, God, help me in here. They won't let God's love reach them. They won't even answer him. He asked them a question. This could have been a good opportunity for them, but they don't even want to answer. He knows they want to hurt him. He, know, 
He knows it. He turns away from them and they immediately turn their thoughts to hurting him, plotting against him to see how they can kill him. Oh, my God. And, and so watch this. He's angry, but he doesn't react like most people would. Because if, come on, somebody, if you knew that the people you were talking to want to kill you, <laughs> that they're devising a plan in their mind as you even speak on hurting you or doing damage to you, you, you might want to express your anger a different way. <laughs> and But the thing I love about Jesus is that he does not lash out on them. He doesn't say, I know what you're thinking. You want to go? <laughs> I mean... He does not do that. Are you in this place, church? Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Woo. He does not respond that way. He doesn't lash out with words. He doesn't break out a whip in this case either. Nor does he retaliate to do them harm. You know what he does? He heals the man. I said he heals the man. He restores the man. He loves the man to wholeness and does the right thing, watch this, regardless of how he feels. Oh, God, help me here. Because here's the reality. When anger is a holy emotion and has justice as its object, it would always have love as its root. It would always have love as its root. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? And love will never seek to destroy another person. I said real love will never seek to destroy another person. But it will always seek to set things right. I said to set things right. Hate. I think it was uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said hate cannot drive away hate. Only love can. Only love can drive it away. The only way. You conquer a spirit is with an opposite spirit. I said the only way you conquer a spirit is with an opposite spirit. This is why your, your God had told you to do things like uh, pray for those that curse you. Bless those that speak evil of you and do all manner of evil against you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't fight fire with fire. <laughs> because it'll just make a bigger fire. Amen. And I, I got to quit, hallelujah, but let me just give you this before I go today. The virtue, anger is the vice. The virtue to anger, how you fight anger is with this virtue right here, gentleness. And I'm going to run through this very quickly, hallelujah. Gentleness is the virtue against the vice of anger. In other words, self-possession. Do you have self-possession? Can you control yourself? Hallelujah. Can you keep anger as a finely tuned instrument of the will that does not master you, but you master it? Amen, somebody. Mm. Are you blessed in here? Show me one more. I'm going to give you one more verse for today. Show me Psalm 103 and verse 8. I want to tell you why this is powerful, and then we're going to close. Psalm 103 and the 8. If I would have showed you all the scriptures in Proverbs that talked about anger, amen, it, it, it would have been making reference to human anger, amen, and uh, the consequences to letting your anger get the best of you. But there is a recurring theme in the scriptures. This verse that I'm going to show you right now, you will find it in the Bible as many times as you will find the verses that speak about human anger. It's almost a, a counterpoint to the point, if you follow what I'm saying. And it's simply this. The Lord is merciful and gracious. What does it say, church? Slow to anger. And one translation says abounding in steadfast love. I like that one. Abounding in steadfast love. Love, slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love. That is the character of God. 
that's one of the, 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 the greatest characteristics. Listen, Jesus, watch this, is if, if, if most people would characterize Jesus today, you know what they would say he was? They would say he was gentle. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They would say he was good, he was gentle. That does not mean that he never got mad. It just means, watch this, that anger was never his primary characteristic. And if your primary characteristic is anger, you still got a long way to go. If when people look at you, they know you as somebody who is angry, you still, I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord, you still have a ways to go. Because you have made the mistake to put, watch this, your trust in yourself rather than putting your trust in God. Paul said, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Maybe not when you want me to, but if you trust me, I will take care of it. Woo, God have mercy. In this place, hallelujah, are you blessed in here, church? Matter of fact, I showed you James 1.20 a little while ago, but if you know James 1.19 before 20, it says, watch this, be slow to speak. What it's saying is be like Jesus. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. You ever, you ever wonder why you got two ears and only one mouth? Be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. Slow to anger. But our human anger is impatient. Come on, somebody. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we let our human anger intrude on God's timeline. God's timetable. Because we don't trust that God's going to take care of it. So we feel like we got to take matters into our own hands. Oh, Lord, have mercy in here. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., watch this, was undoubtedly passionate in his pursuit for racial injustice. We can all agree on that, right? Watch this. But he was never a man that was dominated by anger. He was never dominated by anger. Study it out for yourself. Watch this. He didn't even hate his racial oppressors. He was a man of God. He was a preacher. Amen, somebody. Why is anger such a temptation for us? Why is anger such a temptation for us? Because it is deeply connected to the love for ourselves. For ourselves. Fear of exposure and the need for security. Fear of exposure and the need for security. Why? You, you act tough when you're angry. But most of the times, it's because you have a fragile ego. You have a fragile ego. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the tendency to get overly angry is rooted in vulnerability and fear. That's why oftentimes it comes off as some big show. Some big show of force. But you know what it really is? A cover-up. You're hiding that weak ego of yours. It's an overcompensation for our own perceived weakness. And like a wounded animal backed into a corner, we're on the defensive lashing out because we feel threatened. We feel threatened. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. And you will be amazed. I know we in church, but you will be amazed. How many people struggle with this vice right here? Come up here, worship team. Anger. Statistically, statistically speaking, hallelujah, it gets us men more than it does the women. I got one amen from a man. God bless your soul. Thank you for not leaving me up here by myself. 
it usually gets us men more than it gets the women. That's not to say that the women don't get angry. <laughs> I know some vicious women. You'd be four foot nine and vicious. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? A lot of us use our anger to mask our distress. Because anger, bottom line, is a heart and mind problem. It is a heart and mind problem. The only way you can combat it, because I don't, I, don't, I don't even know that we're supposed to get rid of it altogether because I told you we could use some of it. We can only deal with the symptoms of it. And so I will submit to you that it is gentleness and humility. I call them the wonder twin powers against the vice of anger. Gentleness and humility. Those would describe Jesus' character. The one who turned over tables. The one who would confront the Pharisees often. And, and, and tell them what they needed to hear. And he wouldn't hold back. Yet he is described as tender and gentle. If you could ever develop a gentle spirit, you can become one who masters his anger. And I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that that's easy to do. But I will submit to you, hallelujah, that it can be done. Amen? That it can be done, hallelujah. That you can be more like him. That you can master that thing that is mastering you. That you can control it. In the same way Jesus told the layman, take up your bed and walk. In other words, that thing that you've been lying in all this time, you take it up. And now rather than it carry you, you carry it. It used to control you. It used to have you. But now, it's your testimony. Now it don't have you. Now you, you have it. Ooh, God have mercy in here. I've learned to align my anger with God's anger. And today, I get mad at what God gets mad at. I'm angry at sin. I'm angry at injustice. I will no longer be selfish with my anger. I will give my neighbor what's due unto him and I will give my God what's due unto him. Amen, somebody. You can love your God and love your neighbor. You would have fulfilled the whole law, the Bible says. Anger is a vice that will always stand in the way to try to keep you from doing that. Amen. My Bible says that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap on tonight? Come on. Hallelujah. If you learned something tonight, just give him a hand clap. Hallelujah.